Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Soleil Ho, and you're listening to Extra Spicy. Today's guest is Paola Velez, an award-winning pastry chef and the creator of Bakers Against Racism, which brings bakers from around the world together to fundraise on behalf of different causes. They've baked for Black artists, Haitian refugees, and in support of Ukraine during the Russian invasion. Paola was inspired to bring Bakers Against Racism to life in early 2020 with Chef Rob Rubba. Spurred into action by the global pandemic, continual police killings of Black people, and the resulting protests, they decided to rally the pastry community to bake in service of social justice issues worldwide. So far, more than 3,000 people have joined in, and they've raised over $2.5 million. It's basically the world's largest and probably coolest bake sale. Today, Paola and I talk about her continual effort to be a good person, whatever that means, while simultaneously pursuing her version of success in the food industry. The short answer is, it's not easy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Paula. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So what are you up to these days? I'm, I think I am just going crazy, working as on as many things that I possibly can and trying to figure out how to do it while being a good person. Those are two very difficult things. Just <laughs> like, oh. What is, I mean, how do you, first of all, how do you define being a good person? Mm, how do I say this without sounding like I'm crazy? Um, so being a good person, I feel like it's just doing the right thing, uh, standing up for what's right. And then, you know, treating people with kindness, even if it's not, you know, of service to you. Mm. And is it so hard to balance those things, to work really hard and to be a good person? Well, it depends. Like when I was in restaurants, right, um, I basically had a team that knew me, knew when I was frustrated, knew when I was crying, knew when I was happy because I was launching a new menu, knew when I tried something that I've never tried before and then saw my wheels turning, right? But when you kind of step into this like food media I don't want to call it a celebrity chef because I may be, I'm like negative Z celebrity. So I don't know if I'm cl like classified as a celebrity chef, but I'm an internet chef now, right? And I have to meet new people, go on sets and film commercials, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And I'm meeting so many new people that don't know who I am, don't get to see me day to day. And that balance, like how do you meet someone for the first time, ask them to represent you to the fullest extent of who you are and do that with kindness without sleep traveling sometimes you're you're traveling for 36 hours you know trying to like turn it everything around uh you're filming for 10 to 15 hour days you know so how do you how do you maintain that integrity and that kindness when you're meeting people and you're tired and you just want to be in your pajamas at home you know Right. I mean, why do you why do you even say yes to things? Like why did you say yes to us? Like why do you 
why do you put yourself out there? Well, first, because you're you. Uh, and <laughs> come on, like, that's a trick question, right? You didn't get me this time. <laughs> but um, because I think that it is, it's a disservice for me not to put myself out there, right? Like I worked my whole career to get to this point, right? And if I don't give it my all and I don't try my hardest um, while maintaining my core self, then what did I do all of this for? What did I, you know, sacrifice all my weekends and holidays for, not seeing friends and family for, right? So now I'm just trying to figure out how to do this, I guess, equitably, how I used to talk about equitable leadership in restaurants, right? But do it on this flip side and figure out how not to be like a prima donna diva while still maintaining the, like, integrity of my contracts and being able to push back when things are being done in not so nice ways, you know? So mm. it's, it's a, it's a challenge. I, I joke around with my therapist all the time. I'm like, this industry is eating me alive, but <laughs> I don't know yet. You know, I'm, I'm figuring out how to develop even thicker skin than what I needed as a line cook and what I needed as an executive pastry chef and figuring out how to do this while making sure that people who follow me on Instagram will listen to your podcast or, you know, see me, I don't know, wherever I am and they feel inspired by what I'm doing and want to do it too, right? This stuff is all about legacy and it's about building for the next generation and encouraging those who came before us that it is possible to do it while still being nice and kind. Mm, that is really hard, especially when, I don't know about you, but I, I certainly feel a little voice inside of my head just accusing me of selling out all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, I hear it. Right. But I'm also very selective with what I work on. I walk away a hundred percent. Like if I see something that's not right, um, I walk away, you know, um, and not to say that. I mean, like if my contract is like you can't walk away, then I'm not walking away. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but I mean, the other day I was in Brooklyn with my husband um, and I don't live in Brooklyn. I live in Washington, D.C. And we saw a poster with your face on it. And like I was like, damn, my girl made it. So for those who who think that you're selling out, right, man, there's other people that are looking at you and being like, I know that's right, you know? So don't ever, I, I personally don't ever focus on like the negative. I try to focus on the positive and I let the negative come from my own brain because I, you know, suffer from mental illness. So <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so I wanted to rewind a bit, though, because you talked about just all the time you put in as a cook, as a young pastry cook. And I want to know, what was that like when you first started? What were you what were your conditions like? What did you dream of when you were in the trenches? So I started out when I was like 
14 going into 15, one, my mom was like, she can work. She's okay. You know? Um, but then I never stopped working. I just kept working in the industry, right? Like my first job was at Quiznos. And then I went to a Winn-Dixie and I decorated cakes. And then I went to the, the deli station. So I was cutting meats and frying chicken and, you know, rotisserie stuff, right? Like, and then I, while I was doing that, I went to culinary school. And then after I just ran to New York because I was like, I, I surely will make it in New York. And my mom was like, okay, if you say so. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I worked horrible jobs. You know, I, I was far too young to be in the industry, to be living in New York City by myself uh, without my mom. And, you know, it was not nice. You know, 2009 until, I don't know, 2016 was like the medieval times of the kitchen era, you know? Because, mm. like, everybody, mm -hmm. there was no supervision. Everybody thought they were badass, like, rock star chefs, you know? And, like, people yeah. weren't being held accountable. And there's stories where I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, what the freak, you know? And mm -hmm. what I personally do now is make sure that like, if I meet a rock star chef that's like, I'm so cool. I'm like, no, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're not doing that right now, you know? So mm -hmm. hopefully a lot more people are learning that, you know, the kitchen isn't about being like this, like, I don't know, performance artist, right? Um, the kitchen is really about learning how to transform ingredients, how to work with your team, because the kitchen isn't just one figurehead and then the rest of the team is like just there for moral support, you know? The kitchen is truly a, a living organism, one body, right? So if, if your dishwasher is upset, who's washing dishes? You know what I mean? Like who, who's mm -hmm. doing that stuff? You know, for me, like I, felt the most encouraged when I was recipe testing because I would stop everybody on the line. I'd be like, look, guys, I'm doing this. I know you're prepping. And if you fall behind, I'll help you. Just give me a holler. And I wanted them to try it. And I wanted to understand what they saw, what they tasted, what they felt, you know. And after a while, it, it became a team building exercise where they knew it was, you know, the new season, new desserts were coming out. And Chef P was about to you know, let us taste and have an opinion in the kitchen. I mean, when you and I were working in the in the kitchen, we didn't we couldn't even look up, you know. Mm -hmm. So personally, that's my journey. That's how I started. I don't like to dwell too much on it because it's so sad, you know, that I as a young girl from the Bronx had to endure so much of that nonsense. Right. Because that's what it is. Tomfoolery, <laughs> you know, but. Luckily, you know, I was able to keep going with the support of my mom and my husband and my friends, even though for the most part, they didn't see me, you know, now it's like the most that they see me and they're like, this is a blessing because we get to see you, even though you're like busy and you're hopping from place to place doing this project, that project. But now I get to like be with them. And that's like, for me, it means the world, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you and I. I mean, I, I, I also worked in kitchens from about 2009 to, um, yeah, 2016. Mm -hmm. So I get you. It's, yeah. It was not pretty. It was not cute. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask then, you know, you're pushing back against celebrity chef culture and your own personal sort of star rose in the past few years. 
And now you have all these opportunities, you know, you're speaking out, you were featured on in so many publications for the work that you do, including Bakers Against Racism and Doña Dona. And I wanted to know, like, how do you, how do you avoid becoming, I guess, a monolith, an icon in the same sort of way? Because I think in general, we, as in the general public, we crave an icon, mm-hmm. right? We crave a moral standard, someone who will just tell us what to do and what to think. Personally, I, I feel like I keep saying personally. Who else is there? Hello? Mm-hmm. Hello? But anyways, um, <laughs> my personal opinion on this is like, one, I, I rely on, on my close inner circle to, um, I don't want to reference Julius Caesar, but Julius Caesar had a... a person that would you know he had a person that like would whisper you are just the man you know what I mean in his Mm -hmm. ear after every victory after every battle you are just the man right and I feel like that I have that right in a very more uh you know I don't know not Julius Caesar way you know I'm not royalty or anything (laughs) I'm also not like a Uh anyway but You know, I have people that are telling me like, yo, you know what I mean? Like, yes, you're doing all this stuff. Yes, we're so proud of you, but don't lose your core. Right. So I have people that are are willing to put in the work with me to make sure that I get to where I need to get to. But they make sure that I'm not losing myself and I don't become this diva and I'm not mean or I'm not like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like aggressive or like this is what I want you know because if I get there you know what I mean like I wouldn't want to be treated like that so I don't want to treat others like that you know um and then I mean honestly when people start to make me into this thing that I'm not I remind them in the dms I'm dming people they're like yo you know you're an inspiration you're this and I'm like I am just like you and if you want to get here you know what I mean like there are pathways for you that a lot of us in the industry are opening these doors for you you know and if you don't want to bake and you're just like a fan well thank you but also remember I'm just a human I'm just like you I go through my mental health issues just like you I'm not perfect if anything I'm imperfect in the most awkward ways you know and I'm just trying to figure it out just like all of us on this floating rock that we call earth I get that a lot too. And I just like, I am also extremely awkward and I do not know what to say. So I'm going to use that next time. Thank you. <laughs> you should see me in the airport when people stop me. They're like, oh my God, Chef P. And I just freeze and I'm like, ah, why is this happening? And they're like, oh, she's, <laughs> she's, she's really who she says she is in real life as online. And I'm like, please go away. This is TSA. <laughs> I'm just trying to get into the flight. Help, you know, but... <laughs> Honestly, um, I feel like social media kind of conditioned us to make us think that we are living this charmed, perfect life. And trust me, I'm like number one in not showing everybody everything that I am going through. I don't show people my day-to-day life. I I just kind of show them the parts that I want to show them, you know. But in that, I still make sure that I show up imperfectly, you know, and I don't present like this Mm know-it-all or you know like if somebody wants to teach me a new technique I'm here for it you know and honestly I I could stand to learn some more you know so I feel like that's what I'm where I'm at in this stage um in a few years and five years we'll circle back and we'll check in to see if I'm a horrible human being or not you know 
Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Uh, <laughs> You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You can support this podcast and the newsroom that creates it by subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm Soleho, and we're back with Paola Villas. So right now you have a much higher vantage point too. You know, you're going everywhere. You're talking to so many people. You know, it's at least it's undeniable that your reach is pretty broad. Um, what are you what are you hearing about the the, the food industry these days, like what, what are the sort of pressure, pressing kind of concerns? And do you feel like you're in a position to help address any of them? After the two years that we've kind of gone through in the pandemic, our industry is really hurting. Um, not just in like the space that you and I occupy in now, right? But like, workers are leaving the industry, you know, Be- they're, they're, figuring out how to become real estate agents. They're learning how to code. They're like completely abandoning the system. And I, I, you know, shouted into the void in 2020, but it still stands true. You know, we need to change how we operate. You know, the, the doors were barely on the hinges when we were before the pandemic, right? And now Mm -hmm. after it, the door has completely blown up. It's off the hinges. It's not even attached to the room, let alone the house, you know? And Mm -hmm. and people are just like acting like, it's okay, everything's fine. Can you make me a cashew pepe? Thank you, you know? And I'm like, what the freak? You know, like people need help. They need to sort through what just happened in in the world, sort through how we're adapting to the new normal and, and feel that validation, you know, like, just sometimes they'll like just share stories, you know, I'll let people like voice message me or DM me and I'm just there to listen, you know, and same with like Bakers Against Racism. When we first started getting emails, people would just write, you know, what they were experiencing, how they got laid off of their job, how this gave them a little more hope, you know, and I'm, I just listen and I ask them, I'm like, yes or no? Do you want me to say something or do you want me to just acknowledge that you have somebody who knows what you're going through, you know? And before I start to like preach and be like, this is how you can self-care and this is how you can do Because <laughs> people are like, I don't want to hear that right now because <laughs> nothing's working, <laughs> you know? How do you get all this energy to listen? I mean, to carry all of this weight? I think it's just something that my family is like, Maybe it's something that's like passed down, right? But Mm. we just naturally care. The women in my family naturally care. My mom is like that. She'll meet a stranger on the street. And like by the end of that meeting, she's hugging them. And they're like, thank you for listening. You know, my grandmother was like that. She would invite the whole neighborhood to have food if we had the means to provide food, to have a cafecito. And, you know, it didn't matter if you were a lawyer or if you were a doctor or if you were a single mom, you know, she was like, come, it doesn't matter. I'm not asking you, um, can you? provide for yourself. I'm saying I want to give this to you, right? So for me, I feel like I kind of grew up watching that. So it's almost like second nature. Like it, if I don't do it, right, then I feel like I would be like, oh my God, did I did I ignore them? Oh no, you know? And then I go into like this spiral of like self-doubt and like, am I forgetting who I am, you know? But it happens so naturally. By the time that I realize that I'm, I'm like, you know, 20 messages deep with someone and I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. 
okay, have a good one. And maybe that'll be our last conversation ever, you know? But mm-hmm. they, people know they could just, like, talk if they want to. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious to hear about, you know, you, your program, I guess, should I call it a program? Your, your initiative, Bakers Against Racism. How do you want me to describe it? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is an organization, but it's not um, a nonprofit, right? Because we don't accept any funds. Right. Um, very early on, we didn't want that to be a tension point. So um, I donate my time. I donate my money, my resources to make sure that Bakers runs. Um, and then, um, yeah, Bakers donate directly to the organizations that they truly believe are going to impact change in their communities. That's the whole thing, right? It's not donate to this like big conglomerate. It's donate to the organizations, the mutual aid funds, you know, the soup kitchens that are in your neighborhood. You know, that's how you make long lasting change is figuring out how to impact your own community. But Bakers Against Racism, you know, is two years old now and we're doing a bake for Ukraine, you know, and we're making sure that we just bake to provide funds for organizations that are on the ground like World Center Kitchen, um, Sunflower of Hope, you know, Save the Children, and the list goes on to just make sure that people, you know, get relief. But that doesn't mean that we're only baking for that. You know, there's bakers that are currently active for Stop Asian Hate and standing up for AAPI communities. And still, we are always baking for Black communities, um, Black art, Black joy, Black coding, you know. And there are a few bakers that are, you know, they make sure that they're aligning their personal beliefs, their personal values, and their kind of launching their own bake sales. I just taught them how to bake, you know? No, that's not it. I taught them how to make a bake sale. And then, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, they do the rest, you know what I mean? Like I lead the charge if I feel like there's something that needs to be like global or national. But for the most part, folks have been activating on their own. There's hubs, there's, you know, Miami, there's Richmond, there's New York, there's Seattle, Texas. Uh, so these folks know that this is theirs just as much as it is mine, you know? And honestly, we, when my husband and I were like trying to figure out how to word everything, how to make everything so that people understand how to join in, you know, we decentralized it not only from a location, but from a person because we were going through a global, well, we are going through a global pandemic and we didn't know if I were, I was going to survive, you know what I mean? So we made sure that we decentralized it in multiple ways so that people felt the onus to make sure that they can follow through with their actions. You know, those are some very revolutionary tactics. Thanks. I mean, it was just, (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't like something that I was like, you know, thinking and mulling it over. It was just like, literally we were going through a pandemic without a vaccine, without any type of hope and you know, mm-hmm. our family members were dying around us. So we figured mm-hmm. that if that came to that moment, right, that folks would still be able to bake even if they didn't have a leader because they should be leading mm-hmm. themselves, you know? Just speaking for myself, it can be so hard to stay motivated or, I don't know, see the bigger picture when bad news rolls in from all around the world. How do you stay motivated through everything? 
wherever humans are involved, there's always some conflict or drama, you know? Um, <laughs> but I think also one thing that I, I made sure to like tell the bakers and what I try to tell them when I can is that it's not just about the injustices, right? But about that joy and, and how can we provide more resources, more, you know, give them access to things that they might not have in their communities, right? Like I remember when I was in the Bronx, I, I can distinctly remember when they cut funding to our after school programs. And then I was just like a nomad. Like I didn't know what to do after school. I was just like, what? What do I do with all this free time? And I ended up going to my mom's job because it, you know, I, I had so much free time, you know, and I would w work on my homework in the booth. And then I watched the kitchen working, right? Like, and that's how I was like, oh, I want to do that for a living. And my mom was like, you sure you should maybe become an engineer. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, but, you know, imagine a world where I would have had access to after school funding, to the arts, to whatever it is, right? Who would I be today, right? Mm -hmm. It would be like yeah. a whole different world. I think about that with um, sort of my my grandma, for instance, and my great grandma and just like what they could have done if they had a modicum of what I have, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just so um, it's so striking, like the different like, you know, the sort of memes about like space age landscapes, like the world if Grimes had never married Elon Musk, like that yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, we could be on Mars if my grandma had been able to go to college. Yeah. I would think. I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so, too. I mean, my grandma, she only had, um, like, second grade education, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, but what the incredible wisdom and how smart she was, you couldn't ever have told me that she didn't go to school, you know? Because it didn't make sense how much knowledge she had, you know, and without any schooling, right? So imagine if she would have had access to everything that we have access to today. She might have been, like you said, on Mars with your grandma. <laughs> uh, that would be nice. Uh, I did want to go back to Beyond Mars talk, which is also <laughs> amazing. But um at this point now, like, what are your hopes for Bakers Against Racism? Like, is it, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's so much about you per se, although you do kind of lead it to some degree, but um, are there any plans for the future or any thoughts about where it can progress? So right now, this year is all about learning the nuances of running an organization like that, right? And mm. how to do it with what we were talking about earlier in the segment with integrity, right? And with um, honesty and kindness, right? And how not to quote unquote sell out or at least to the point where people don't feel like we've sold out, right? So a lot of people trust me and they know that I'm truly trying my hardest to like do all of this the right way, you know, without, like, I work my actual jobs, I, I do my actual gigs, and then I, I, like, commit this time to bakers, you know, knowing that it's not going to pay my bills, knowing that I'm not going to get anything in return from it. So 
they trust me to a degree higher than other organizations, right? Because other organizations, you donate the money and then they have operating fees. They have this, they have that, blah, 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 blah. And by the time that the money gets to the places that people think that they're going, there might not be a, lo a whole lot left, right? And for me, I'm, it's just protecting the trust of those who are baking, you know? those who, who believe in bakers, you know, and then figuring out a way to equitably give it back, give back everything that you guys have put into it, right? How do I make scholarship funds? How do I help people have small business loans? How do I raise enough funds to buy people laptops so that they can start their own cottage industry businesses, you know? So that's where I am and that's where you know, I've been trying to focus all my energies on, you know, and when it happens, it'll happen and it'll happen the right way, you know, and there's no need to rush to get to the end post. You know what I mean? Bakers aren't stopping their bake sales anytime soon. And like I said, people, people. So <laughs> there's always going to be something to bake for. <laughs> That's right. So thank you so much for joining me today, Paola. It was so enriching to listen to you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a joy. Thanks again to Paola Velez for chatting today. To check out more of Paola's ongoing projects, visit her website, smallorchids.com. That's S-M-A-L-L-O-R-C-H-I-D-S.com. Today's episode was produced and edited by Karen Creighton.